This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate you tuning in to watch today. And we may have someone watching today for the first time. And let me welcome you to Getting to Know Your Bible. Thank you for tuning in today. We appreciate those who watch every time we come on the air. Uh, almost weekly, I get letters and emails from people who say, Brother Lambert, I watch you every time that getting to know your Bible is on the air. And we appreciate your encouragement. But more than that, I appreciate your interest in the Bible. Now, that's what we want to talk about today. We want to talk about the Bible, the power of the Bible. Stay tuned as we discuss that today. Now today on Getting to Know Your Bible, we offer a Bible correspondence course. And in order that you might know how you can receive it free of charge, let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I'm going to read now from the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, and verse number 12, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, For the word of God is quick and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I read about an artist who had in his possession some very precious jewels. When this artist would spend time at the canvas painting, he would lose perception of color. And when that would happen, he would take out those jewels and he would look at all of the various colors and those precious jewels and it helped to restore his perception of color. So sometimes we need to just stop and to have our perception of things realigned or restored. Sometimes we just need to get back to the basic things of life. As I recall, it was Vince Lombardi who was in the locker room with his team. They were not doing very well at that point, and he held up a football, and he said, Gentlemen, this is a football. You don't get any more basic than that, do you? And I want you to know the book that I hold in my hand is the Bible. 
I, I think it's time in America, as a matter of fact, it's time throughout all of the world, that, that we focus on basic things. And one of the most base, basic things upon which we can focus in our day is the Bible. This is a wonderful book. It is a great book. It is a book filled with power. The verse I just read said the Word of God is quick and powerful. You know, there are a lot of powerful things in this old world. There's the power of the, of the press, power of the presidency. Man holds that office, holds the most powerful position in the world. There's the power of public opinion. There is the power of a nuclear bomb. I cannot begin to imagine how powerful that might be. But none of that begins to compare with the power there is in the Word of God. It is powerful. You say, well, what is there about the Bible that makes it such a powerful book? Well, there's power in this book to create faith in our hearts. One man said faith is a miracle. No, faith is not a miracle. Faith comes as a result of having been taught the right thing. Romans 10 and verse 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word of God. When we study the Bible, it creates faith in our hearts. In... John chapter 20 and verses 30 and 31, the Bible says many other signs. Truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are written in this book, but these are written, why? That you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and believing him out of life in his name. See, the Bible's written that we might believe. Faith comes by hearing, hearing comes by the word of God. In John chapter 17, Jesus is praying to his heavenly father. And in verses 20 and 21, he said, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Faith comes through words. And the word that we're talking about here are, is the word of God. You see, there's power to create faith in the Bible. There's also power to illuminate our lives. Our lives need illuminating. We're living in a rather dark age, are we not? We're living in a time that is darkened and pillaged with all kinds of sin and corruption, violence, murder. You just name it. It's going on in our time. How are we going to have illumination in a time like this? We ought to turn to the Bible. In Psalms 119, verse 105, the Bible says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. You see, the Bible gives us light. It furnishes us light in a darkened world. And then the, there is power in the Bible to make a man happy. There are so many unhappy people in our world today. And I think that accounts for a lot of the 
activities that go on today because of people's unhappiness. It, it accounts for the addictions, so many of the addictions that people have. They're, they're looking for the fountain of happiness, and they think it's in drugs. They think it's in alcohol. They, they, they may think it's in pornography or, or all other kinds of things to which people might become addicted. But you see, happiness is something that is an inside job. And it, one of the keys to being a happy person is having an appreciation for what God tells you. You see, when you read the Bible, it's though, it is though God is speaking directly to you. He's talking to you. In Psalms chapter 1, the psalmist begins this great book like this. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of the sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. You see, the man who's a happy man is the man who takes great delight in the Word of God. In all of my years as a gospel preacher, I have never known of an individual who delighted in the Bible, who studied the Bible on a regular uh, basis, who, who had an appreciation for God and God's Word. But what that individual lived a life of peace, Tranquility, happiness. You see, it just makes a difference when you allow the Word of God to direct your life. Power, power in the Word of God. Listen to the verse again. The Word of God is quick and powerful, living and powerful. While there is power in this book, to reproduce after its kind. That's in Luke chapter 8 in verse 11, we're told that the, the word of God is the seed of the kingdom. The seed of the kingdom. And when that seed is planted in the right kind of soil, and according to Luke 8, 14 and 15, it must be a good and honest heart, when you plant it in that kind of soil, in good soil, it's going to produce good fruit. This Bible is indeed the seed of the kingdom. In 1 Peter 1, 23, there Peter wrote, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. There's power in the Bible to produce after its kind. It is the seed of the kingdom. And when you plant this seed, it's going to produce fruit. Now, if we were to plant, take the Bible and plant the seed that was planted in the first century and plant that same seed in the 21st century, it will produce the same type of fruit in the 21st century that it produced in the 1st century. And it's all about the seed. The seed. The Bible, the Word of God is a seed. 
Just suppose that you were to go out west and you see a beautiful field of wheat. And let's just say that you're a farmer. You say, you know, I'd like to grow that kind of wheat back home. Well, how are you going to grow wheat at home like you see out, say, in Kansas? Well, are you going to start growing a, a row of wheat from Kansas all the way to your home, let's say, in Tennessee or Alabama, or North Carolina, wherever you may live? You say, no, preacher, you don't do it that way. Well, how would you do it? Well, you say you'd have to get the kind of seed they have out in Kansas, the kind of wheat they grow there, and then you take those seed, and if you have the right weather conditions and the land conditions are good, then you can grow in your state the same kind of fruit, the same kind of wheat that they have in some other location. It's all about planting the seed. It's all about the seed. Some time ago, I... I took a clipping out of the newspaper. They had this headline, 2,000-year-old seeds sprout into tomatoes. And as, as you read the article, you, you learned that there was some seed that were found in a tomb in China. And they wondered, what kind of seed are those? They didn't know. To their amazement, after they planted those seed, they came up, produced a plant. They really weren't sure what kind of a plant it was until it started putting on fruit. And it produced tomatoes, 2,000-year-old seed. And yet the seed produced tomatoes. What do you suppose it produced 2,000 years ago? You say, well, it must have produced tomatoes 2,000 years ago because seed reproduces after its kind. That's exactly right. And if we take the seed of the kingdom, which is the word of God, and we plant that in the hearts of good, honest men and women, boys and girls today, it will produce in the 21st century what it produced in the first century. And all that it's going to produce is just Christians. That's all they were in the first century. They were not ABC kind of Christians. They were just Christians, Christians only. You know, sometimes you ask people, what are you religiously? They'll tell you the name of the church they go to. Usually it's one that you cannot find in Scripture. And, but why not just be a Christian? You see, just be a Christian because when you plant that seed, it produces faith in the heart. And because of the faith that you have in your heart, you are willing to repent of your sins. You're willing to acknowledge that you believe in Jesus and because you want to serve Jesus and you want to obey him, then you're baptized for the remission of your sins because Jesus said it best, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That's what people did in the first century. Yeah, absolutely, that's what the men of Corinth did to be saved. Just exactly what Jesus said. Many of the Corinthians hearing, believed, we're baptized, Acts 18, 8. So he that believeth is baptized, shall be saved. Now, that's what they did in the first century. What kind of fruit will we have? What kind of plant will we have? What kind of fruit will we have if we do the very same thing today they did in the first century? Well, we'll have the same thing they had in the first century. And all they were was Christians. You see, we need to just be Christians today. And the Bible only, 
makes Christians only of anyone, anywhere, anytime. You can be just a Christian by just doing what the Bible says. It's all about the seed. But now there is power in the Bible to uh, keep us living the Christian life. That there's power in this book to, to, to save our souls eternally. And, and listen to Paul in Romans, the first chapter in verse 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, but for it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You see, there's power in this book. Power to save our souls. And we are saved by the gospel of Christ indeed. But how are we saved by the gospel of Christ? Listen to Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 verses 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which also you have received and wherein you stand and by which you're saved, if you keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. I delivered unto you first of all how that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, and that he was buried and that he arose again the third day according to the scripture. Now think about it. Paul said, I preach the gospel to you. You are saved by the gospel I preach to you if you keep believing it, unless you believed in vain. And he said, I preached the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. And you're saved by that. You're saved by the gospel. The word gospel literally means good news. So he preached the good news about Jesus' death and his burial and his resurrection. But somebody says, now, Billy, those are just facts. Those, those are facts. Yes, those are the facts of the gospel. But we obey a likeness of the facts of the gospel. Go to the sixth chapter of Romans with me, beginning in verse number one. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as we're baptized into Christ, we're baptized into his death, therefore we're buried with him by baptism into death? That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. You see, to obey the gospel, as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm to be baptized into Christ, baptized into his death, that is the benefits of this, that death. And baptism is a burial in water. It is not sprinkling, it is not a pouring of water, it is a burial in water. Colossians 2.12 says, Buried with him in baptism, wherein also you're risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. And so baptism is indeed a burial in water. And when we're buried with Christ in baptism, 
Just like Jesus was raised from the dead by the power of God, we come up out of that watery grave to walk in the newness of life. You do not walk in the newness of life until you've been baptized into Christ and been raised with Him. Somebody says, well, what does that have to do with our being saved? Said, said, you say the power of the, in the Bible, the power of the gospel is to save us and the, there's power in obeying the gospel. Absolutely. Somebody says, I thought the power is in the blood. The power is in the blood. We are saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. There, there's no other way to be saved except by the benefits of that blood. But the question is, how do we appropriate the benefits of that blood? There's no question about the fact that the blood of Christ washes our sins away. That, that's what John wrote in Revelation 1.5, Unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Washed in the blood of the Lamb. Absolutely. But the question is, when does it do that? Saul of Tarsus was being taught by a man and, and Saul had previously been persecuting Christians. But now he has been humbled. He, he had an encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Highway in Acts chapter 9. And as Paul recounts his conversion in the 22nd chapter of Acts, uh, there, there he said what he was told by Ananias. Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins calling on the name of the Lord. I want you to notice one thing about that passage, Acts twenty-two sixteen. And the thing I want you to notice is that the washing away of sin comes out after the act of being baptized, not before. We're not saved before we're baptized. We're saved because we're baptized. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. If it read, he that believeth and is baptized shall receive a thousand dollars, we would really understand the conditions of getting the money. You'd have to believe and be baptized. Well, we're not talking about money. We're talking about your soul. Your soul, your everlasting soul. And so the Bible has power to save our souls. And when we obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, then our souls can be saved. And there's power in the Bible one day to judge us. This is a great book. And one of the reasons that I want to know as much about it as I possibly can is because when I stand before the Lord on the day of judgment, I'm not going to be judged by some book that a man has written. I'm not going to be judged by what I thought God wanted me to do. I'm not going to be judged by the dictates of man be judged by what Jesus said. Listen to Jesus in John 12, 48. He that rejecteth me. Now that's a sad thought. Anybody that would reject Jesus, that's sad, folks. 
He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words. You see, when you do not receive the words of Jesus, is you're rejecting Christ. So he that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. You see, there's power in this book to judge us one day. That, uh, have you ever really thought about that day? The day when Christ is going to return and you stand before him at last. That, Peter wrote about that day in 2 Peter 3.10, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat and the earth also and the works that are therein shall be what? Burned up. There's a day coming when everything is going to be burned up. Have you ever really thought about that day? The day you stand before Jesus at last. That's a sobering thought, isn't it? Romans 14 and 12 says, So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. We're going to give an account of our lives to God. You see, there's power in this book to judge us. And let me tell you, whatever this book says right now is exactly what this book is going to say on the day of judgment. Well, what does this book say? Well, it says God is real. That, right now, it says God is real. Da Daniel 2.28 says there is a God in heaven. And, and guess what the Bible is going to say on the day of judgment? It's going to say there is a God in heaven. Th this book says you must believe in God in Hebrews 11 and 6, that without faith it is impossible to please Him. Well, what is it going to say on the day of judgment? It's going to say the exact same thing because it's not going to change. It's not going to change. This book says you must believe in Jesus with all of your heart, John 8, 24. Except you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. And guess what it's going to say on the day of judgment, the same thing. And this book teaches that as a confessing believer in Christ, you're to be baptized. You're to be baptized. The day of Pentecost, people asked, what shall we do? They were told, repent. And be baptized for the remission of your sins, that your sins might be remitted, forgiven, washed away, removed, blotted out. That's exactly what it's going to say on the day of judgment. Now, men try to change it now, but it's going to read the same on the day of judgment. I didn't urge you to obey the Bible. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.org. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at knowyourbible at golftel.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214.
Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.